You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I know you'll be alright Even when times get hard And you feel like you're in the dark You will see Just how beautiful life can be When you soften your heart You can finally start To live your Truthiest life. Welcome back to The Truthiest Life. I'm your host, Lisa Haim. And if you're listening to this when this episode comes out, still on my little social media break. And I just want to say I miss you all so, so, so much. But it's been also really nice to, you know, not take pictures of myself every day. That's not really my favorite thing. Or take pictures of everything I eat. Sometimes it's nice to just kind of close those doors and be a little bit private to just make sure everything's aligned inside of me. That's definitely one of the ways that I work to be myself is to constantly kind of challenge the norms and turn inward. And this is how I do it. So I miss you all. I'll be back real soon to share some of my findings. And thanks for still tuning into The Truthiest Life and Outweigh each week. This episode coming up is about sex. It is spicy, but it's actually so much more than that. And I know that you'll see the true value once you listen completely through. This episode is really about sexuality, our own individual sexuality, and how we need to tap into that daily to really get to know ourselves and honor ourselves the way that we deserve to. But let's be real. Our society doesn't really set us up to feel comfortable to talk about this stuff. Maybe you have girl talk and you talk about sex in general or with a partner, but there's still an element of self-pleasure that's not really spoken about. I know for me, it's certainly not. And there's a lot of parts of this episode that even made me feel uncomfortable. But that's kind of the point. Just because it makes me feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it's wrong. It means that, hey, there's something to explore here. Take a listen for what's coming. But to most people in the society we're living in, sex is off limits. You just don't talk about it. I never talked about it with my mom growing up. And I mean, I don't even think she gave me the birds and the bees chat. We talk about everything. We're very close and we never talked about sex. And so it just became so apparent that people needed to have a space that they could go to learn about this stuff that felt like they were talking to someone who was like them. So like I said, this episode is caliente, muy caliente, spicy. Jenna tells it all. So again, if this makes you feel uncomfortable, that's okay. It made me uncomfortable, like I said. But like all other Truthiest Life episodes, I found myself really thinking about what Jenna said for days after and really leaning into what is kind of a forgotten side of me, a side of me that deserves just as much light and attention as does the other types of allowed pleasures in my life, like, you know, cooking or taking pictures, whatever it is. And it's actually been fun and enlightening. And I know that you're going to really, really just learn a lot. So remember, stay open minded, stay curious, and let's have some fun as we jump into this episode with Jenna. 
Welcome back to the Truthiest Life podcast. Today we have my friend Jenna. Jenna is known as No Way Lady on Instagram, and I've known her for a number of years now. She started as a cute Cali girl, a blogger who posted recipes, always talking about her boyfriend, and then suddenly there was a big shift in content, and it was clear that there was no more boyfriend. And the post started to look a little bit like what most people would probably call provocative. And at first, I'll be honest, this change was a little bit alarming. I was like, is Jenna okay over there? But over time, it became very natural for me to see Jenna as a woman so comfortable in her body, in her sexuality. And it became actually very clear to me that Jenna is just living her truthiest life. So welcome, Jenna. Hi, I love it. Thank you for that intro. Yes, you are a a sex queen. And we're going to hear kind of all about how you ended up there. So Let's kind of start with the breakup because I've probably known you for four or five years. And for four of those years, you know, a big part of your story or what you would tell me about, you know, had to do with your partner. So to go from such a long term relationship to seeing you now as such a free woman, for lack of a better word, how did you go from there to where you are now? Was there grief involved here, I assume? Totally. Okay. So we can back it up. The breakup happened two summers ago and it took me a long time after it happened to feel comfortable sharing about it. I feel like I kind of went silent. I was trying to like be who I was before. I I wasn't ready for it. I was still like internally dealing with it. And it's interesting that you mentioned grief because grief in and of itself is something that I've been dealing with personally. I lost my father when I was really young and I never dealt with that grief. I just let it sit in my body. And I really believe like that manifested physically as I have non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. I've worked obviously with food and nutrition to fix that a little bit um, and get my body in a better place. But it's an expression that I'm not used to feeling into. Mm. And so I think through the breakup, it really made me like it have to feel. I had to feel sad. I had to like understand who I was before. It was definitely a codependent relationship that I didn't realize at the time. So just for a moment here, I think we could all kind of relate to that. What is a codependent relationship? I think that's something a lot of people have, but may not know what it is. So what is codependency? Yeah, it's where you kind of, you view yourself. This is my definition, viewing yourself more in the eyes of how your partner sees you versus seeing yourself as a singular being who happens to come together with another person and almost create like a third party, right, as the relationship. So in a healthy relationship, your partner has a life, you have a life, and you have a life together. And they don't get so, I mean, they're obviously like melded because you're coming together in that kind of third person unit. But in a codependent relationship, it all just gets really messy you don't feel like an individual anymore or you feel in all of your actions, you are kind of doing things because your partner thinks you should be doing them or because you want to be doing things the way your partner is or you're too reliant on them and how you feel, right? Like you have a good day when they're having a good day. And like, it's important to hold empathy for somebody, but to take on that emotion in your own life (laughs) gets a little hairy. Yeah. And I think so many people are in codependent relationships and obviously nobody enters a relationship looking to become codependent, but we all arrive to relationships with our own ish, like our stuff, you know, and we turn into one. But then when we leave, it's like, who are we? Are we half? Are we half of a person? Yeah, I left and I was like, oh my, like, I, I don't even know who I am anymore. And I remember like, I was the one who initiated the breakup. I knew it was coming for a really long time. And like, I even remember a year before I finally like got up the courage to do it because things were on the edge, like not doing super well. I remember having a panic attack thinking, oh my God, I'm going to have to be alone. And it, it wasn't so much about leaving the person as having to refine myself. Mm. And I think a lot of people have that struggle because you get so used to the status quo of like waking up with somebody when you have a bad day, someone's immediately there for you. Like I was dealing with a lot of chronic health stuff at the time. So like automatically just like had a rock who was understanding of like where I was in life and what I was dealing with and could help me through it. To be the person who cuts that off for yourself Mm. was really terrifying. I didn't realize that it was your call. The way it kind of happened, I thought that you were broken up with, but it was actually your brave decision. Mm -hmm. So how did you know that it wasn't right? Everyone has micro things, right, that build up where you're like, we're different people. 
obviously like conflict is going to come up and in a healthy relationship, you communicate through it and you talk through it. And in my newer relationships, that's what I do. I think before I would compartmentalize it, sort of try and move past. And then I would internalize that feeling and it would build and build and build because I don't think we're taught to like let things be messy. I like things to be very neat and like have my shit together. And so for things to like blow up a little and get through it, I wasn't super comfortable with. So basically, though, what you said is like if when you're in a codependent relationship, one of the examples you gave is is that you want the other person to be happy. And so you may sacrifice your own discomfort or unhappiness or, you know, kind of sweep that micro thing under the rug because it might make them upset, which would disrupt them. So it gets very tricky very easily. Yeah. And I was a people pleaser. I'm still like getting over that. And now I like ruffle people's feathers and I'm owning that more, but I didn't like to do that. I just wanted everything to be great. It was easier when it was great. And we kind of hit this moment where this is how my therapist put it. I'd never done therapy before. I saw her before I did the breakup in the midst, like the week of the breakup and then once after. And she was more of like an action-oriented therapist. I see a different one who's like helping me deal with my grief stuff and like childhood trauma, things like that. This was She was like very like goal-oriented, which was what I needed at the time. But she phrased it like this moment came up for me. I call it my trigger moment where I realized that the way he was planning his life was not in accordance in a way that would meet my life goals. Well, your end goals don't have to always be the same. They have to eventually meet, right? So like you could be in one place in life, your partner could be in your other place in life, but the thing that's bringing you together is like, or you're converging at this like goal. And it was very important for me to have a family and have kids and like be in a certain financial situation where I felt comfortable and stable. And I was setting my life up for that. And the way he was setting his life up and the things we had agreed on in the beginning of the relationship weren't meeting me where I needed them to be met down the line. Not to say they had to happen now, but in four, five, six, seven, eight years, when I needed them to happen, it was obvious that we were never going to converge. And that, to me, it felt like I I had been betrayed. So you had to make that game time decision to, you know, keep your paths going in a direction, his direction, because it wasn't on Mm -hmm. your direction, or choose yourself and create a new path. And you didn't know what that path would look like. Totally, which is terrifying, especially when you're like thinking all this time, like you're like, oh, we're going to meet, we're going to meet, we're going to meet. Nope, we're not going to meet. So you can either get out now and it's going to be really hard or you could stay in it for four or five more years and then it's going to be even harder and more devastating. I assume there was still big love there, some sort of a love, maybe not a passion love after five years, but. Some sort of a, no? But yeah, but it was there. It was hard. I mean, I, I felt like I was part of his family. I mean, you even know I spent so much time in Miami. Mm-hmm. It was part of my life. And to cut that off with anyone is really hard. And not to bring numerology into the whole thing, but I can do your numbers if you're curious. But I'm a soul too. And we're like hopeless romantics. So I feel like a lot of times I, I latch on to like the story of what things could be. And I found myself doing this as I'm dating more and more is I create the story in my head and I'm actively breaking that because it's a really bad habit to do and can get you in some really bad stuff um, with some toxic people. But I create the story and I'm just like, oh, it's so perfect in my head. It's so perfect in your head. But like, that's not reality. I think that happens a lot of times with dating, especially in the beginning, especially when you're, I know you do a lot of online dating, which I plan to get to. But mm-hmm. when I was online dating, I remember I was, I would have amazing banter with some of these guys and I was like, funniest guy, cutest guy, best guy, whatever. And then I'd meet them and like, none of that was there. So yeah, right. you really can go wild with the story and then it, it kind of, Yeah, I I totally get that. So let's go back to the grief. How long Mm -hmm. was that grief period for? I feel like the marker point, I think, was six months out. I remember being on vacation with my mom. We used to try in the old world times to go somewhere warm in the winter for her birthday. And I remember, I think it was finally around that time that I started crying. And I've never been a crier in my life. Again, like trying to keep it together. I'm a perfectionist. I have it all together. It's fine. But when I was with 
that boyfriend, he was a cancer. He had lots of water in his chart. And I feel like he held space for me to be emotional. Like I learned how to be emotional with him. And then he cut me out of his life after I cut things off. And that's fair. Like totally whatever he needs to do to make his life work the best way it could for him. But that was really jarring to me. And I feel like I sort of shut all my emotions off. And so I think it was about six months out where I finally started crying again. And I think that was my moment where I was like, wow, like I'm actually feeling like my, like a person again. Like I wasn't numb. Right. So going back to that codependency, codependency could almost be uh, maybe a good thing for a moment because he taught you how to deal with emotions that you didn't know how to deal with. But yeah. So he taught me how to feel emotion because he was holding space for it because yes. I would never hold space for it myself. Mm. And so then when I got rid of him, that turned off again. And so it was almost like I was like a little kid on a bike. Like, can I do this myself? Like, can I get there? And then finally, I guess six months out was my point where it's like, I got this. Like, I can hold space for myself. I can let my emotions go. I don't need anyone there to do it for me, to model it. Like, I'm good. Pretty huge. So now I cry all the time. <laughs> good. Yeah. Well, you've carved out a new path yeah. for yourself to feel and to process yourself. And I think it's important to recognize that it takes time after a person is kind of holding the space for you. But pretty amazing that it sounds like like we talk a lot in this podcast about like the heart being hard and the heart being open. And it sounds like yours went through a little bit of trauma, even though it was on your accord, your choice to right. break up with him. And so for a moment in... When when you went back to just being Jenna, it went back to, you know, that I got this. I got my stuff together. No big deal. Mm -hmm. Like, I, you know, march on, march on. And then eventually your heart opened after six months a little bit. And with that softened, softened and with that release came tears. But that those tears really stood for much more. Mm hmm. So take us through kind of what happened after the six months now. What happened next? So this is where it gets kind of juicy. And this is where the content shift really happened is I'm a total overanalyzer because I have so many food allergies, which is why I originally started my blog. I check food labels like a crazy person because I have a severe dairy allergy um, and I have a pretty intense corn allergy and I also can't do gluten. And as you know, corn hides in everything in its process forms, but I'm just allergic to it as a whole. So it's a big allergy nonetheless. Right. So ingredient freak. I also worked at a clean beauty company for a while, which is actually how I met you. I forgot about and that. And yeah. So just on the whole, check all the ingredients and was thinking this was before I was even dating again. Like I wasn't really ready to see people or I was like dating, but like not really. Like I was trying to put myself out there, but I wasn't there yet. I, I definitely wasn't sleeping with any, anyone, which is where I'm going with this story. So I had come off hormonal birth control to fix my liver stuff that was going on, my chronic gut stuff. I really felt like it was tied to that. I didn't feel comfortable taking it anymore. So I obviously was like, wow, if I'm going to have sex with someone, like I need to make sure I use a condom, especially if I'm like ovulating, like how does this work? This is like a whole new ball game for me. And then I was like, well, what the fuck is in a condom? And there are no ingredient labels on condoms, not on the wrapper, not on the box. It's really hard to even find them online. Really? So I started contacting all of these brands that were creating non-toxic condoms. And I was still hesitant because like non-toxic can mean a lot of things. So I went crazy, got like six or seven brands to send me condoms. And I had hundreds of condoms and I wasn't even sleeping with anyone. It was comical. It's not like I, I never had like my slutty moment. Like I was never that person. I was always like a serial monogamist who had a boyfriend. And all of a sudden I have all these condoms and these brands who are like, oh, like, have you tried it yet? What do you think? Like, we would love to hear your feedback. And I'm sitting on them and I'm like, I like I can't even it's not even like lube like I can't even try and test these things by myself and so I finally pulled the trigger and I was like okay I'm just gonna like make myself a sex date like I just need to get over the hump I'm gonna be like a casual sex girl we're just gonna do it once and then like get me past it. Cause like even going on dates, I mentally just like wasn't in that space. I would go out with someone for like four or five, six dates. And like we would become friends because that was just what I was used to. I don't know. Like I just, I couldn't get there and I knew I just needed to do it. So I did that. It was kind of a horror story. He ended up having a micro penis. It was a whole <laughs> thing. And 
<laughs> but the point of the story is I finally, I finally got over the hump. I finally started seeing people in like a more normal 2020 capacity pre-COVID. And I tried the condoms and I put out the non-toxic condom post and it went wild. So what was the post? You were sharing the ingredients. The post was a roundup of non-toxic condoms and I broke it down in a way that no one had before. I broke it down by feel, by smell, by aesthetic, because that's really big for me. And by my feeling, by the partner's feeling. And I tried it. I mean, I wasn't in a relationship. I tried I tried each of them with like a few different men to get different opinions, different size penises. Like I did my research. It kind of was eye-opening to me because I shared it with my audience and it really resonated with a lot of people on a few different levels. The first level being like the hormone talk, right? Like if they're not on hormonal birth control, how are they going to track when they're fertile? How does that work? When do you need to use a condom? When do you not need to use a condom? And that's still something I talk about a lot that I still think needs a lot more attention because we're taught that like you're just going to get pregnant if you have sex. And that's not true. You can only really get pregnant six days out of the month. And you know when those six days are if you're tracking your cycle properly. So I will preface your cycle has to be regular to be able to do that. There's a lot of information on how to use those days to get pregnant, but not a lot of information if you're not trying to get pregnant. Right. So there's this really great book all about fertility awareness method, and it is marketed towards women trying to get pregnant, but it is literally like the holy Bible for anyone who is trying not to get pregnant and doesn't want to be on hormones. So what's the book? It's called Taking Charge of Your Fertility. I forget who the woman is. Okay. It's We'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. For anyone trying to get pregnant or not pregnant. Either. Or not. Yeah. It works either way. I like yeah. that. It's a good I mean, men will see it when they come over because I have a lot of books like that. And they're, they kind of, they, they just, they have a little moment and they're like, wait, how old are you? Like, what? Right. So so this this non-toxic uh, condom post takes off and I believe you begin to right. refer to yourself or someone refers to you as the wellness inclined Carrie Bradshaw. And I love that. Yeah. So this post takes off. I was working with Healthline in the past and more of a wellness capacity because they're also SF based. And they partnered with this woman to put on this Chronicon event in New York last year. And they had a love and sex column. And this was all still fairly new to me. This post went live last summer. And they wanted me to sit on the panel with some like fertility experts and be like, not to say the cool one, but like the young one who like shares about her dating experiences. So that's what I did. And Cosmo was there. I started writing for Cosmo and I kind of fell into this sex love writer space, mm -hmm. which has been really fun, but just a very different direction from what I used to talk about. What I used to talk about was taboo in its own way. It was like before people were openly talking about being constipated or like having IBS and issues. So like once you talk about like the fact that you've got a colonoscopy when you were like 25 and like you have to take magnesium every night to be able to go to the bathroom in the morning, like you can kind of talk about anything. All right. So more and natural so transition than it appeared. But to most people in the society we're living in, sex is off limits. You just don't talk about it. I never talked about it with my mom growing up. And I mean, I don't even think she gave me the birds and the bees chat. We talk about everything. We're very close and we never talked about sex. And so it just became so apparent that people needed to have a space that they could go to learn about this stuff that felt like they were talking to someone who was like them. So that's interesting you say in my household, it was talked about a lot, but still a way that's different than how you talk about it, because you're the intersect between sex, sexuality and wellness. So can you explain mm -hmm. to somebody who might be listening, who thinks it's taboo or doesn't really know what that intersect looks like? Like, what is the intersect between all of that? Yeah. So I feel like all of the sudden I just fell into the sex category, which felt very uncomfortable to me. That's not who I am as a person. I approach things in a very holistic, energetic manner. Like I have my Reiki certification. I do Kundalini. Like I'm in that woo space. But when I fell into it and kind of took the sexual journey for myself, I realized how much the spiritual path kind of parallels the sexual healing path because it's digging in and finding your realest, most truest self, almost like your primal self and who we actually are. And both our passions and creativity and our sexual interest and desire sits in our second chakra. So which chakra is that? It's the chakra that's about two inches, like if you go like this under your belly button. Mm -hmm. um, so it's orange if you ever see like the way those right. – 
the chakras light up. Okay. So you, your first one is like around your perineum. It's red. It's your root. The second one is then your second sacral chakra sacral. that holds that passion and creativity. So like a lot of times, I mean, I don't know if it happens to you, like after you orgasm, you might feel like ignited to like do something or create something or things might come up for you or even just like doing rotation and movement in that area, like dance tends to like fire that kind of stuff up. I'm usually ready to go to sleep after, but yeah. Well, (laughs) maybe you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh, yeah, doesn't have to happen immediately. So as I dove into this world in a way that felt comfortable to me, I was going through a Kundalini teacher training too. And I was looking at all the parallels that were happening and also how my own health and feeling in my body improved when I tapped into that space and really owned my femininity. Because I think a lot of times, especially with this comes up a lot with all the articles about not to bring birth control up so much because there is a time and a place for it. But a lot of times in the world we live in, it's frowned upon to be a woman, Mm -hmm. to be emotional, to like go through these waves of a cycle. Well, even to be sexual, though. Right. Even to be sexual, it's it's not okay. But that's part of who we are. And to turn that off is to turn a whole part of yourself, your identity off, to pretend to be something else and to be a mold of what we're supposed to be. So I felt like for a long time, I was like kind of clawing that down too. And the world I was living in was a wellness world where people weren't talking about it. So I almost felt weird. I was like, am I supposed to be talking about this? Mm -hmm. Like, (laughs) is this okay? And then in February, I weirdly enough got connected with friends who were launching this holistic healer collective platform and they paired me with a sex switch to be able to talk about the platform. But so I started seeing the sex switch for a month. She's amazing. Okay, back up. What's a sex switch? Good question. It's someone who this is I would define it as someone who fuses that energetic capacity, kind of body awareness, self-awareness trauma maybe with sex and sexual healing and tapping into that like divine feminine almost it's not seeing a sex coach it's not saying i have this problem in the bedroom certainly you could say like i'm really dry what's going on but like she's not really going to know how to fix that it's not like she's a gynecologist right but she works more with energy and with self and feeling in your body. This is my translation. Tell me if I'm right. Yeah. The sex switch, quote unquote, helps you tap into an energy center in your body that has kind of gone stale because, you know, society says a woman should be da-da-da. A woman should be da-da-da. And so she helps you work through the things that are blocking that center. Correct. Moving through trauma, moving through relationships, moving through whatever. Like, why is that there? Like, and we did a whole exercise of talking about sex throughout my life. Like when I first was aware of pleasure, when I first pleasured myself, why did I stop pleasuring myself after the first time I pleasured myself? Was it, was it shame? Like what was sitting there and all the stuff bubbled up for me that I didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. It felt like two years of therapy in like a month. And It was then that like I really became in tune with my body because I'll be totally honest, when I'm with a partner long term, I rely on them for my pleasure or I did. I did not carve out time for myself. I carved out time for my self-care as in giving myself a face mask or booking myself a massage, but I did not take time to like dance and touch myself and like romanticize myself because the time I would carve out for that was for my partner and I would expect them to do the same to me, but it is a very different experience. Right. So you created a hashtag over quarantine actually called the pleasure of the day and you said something about We just check boxes and we move on with our life, whether it's, you know, having sex or just going about our day. But I like how you broadened your explanation of pleasure of the day to include art, conversation, food, touch, breath, and then, of course, self-pleasure. So can you share a little bit about what inspired you and what that looks like now? To be honest, it started because I was having trouble with what to post on Instagram because you can't post anything overtly sexual and it's hard to talk about sexual content and not have a picture that goes along with it. It just like, it felt like there was a disconnect there. And then I realized that the realer disconnect was that people don't know how to talk about it in general. They know how to talk about pleasure when it comes to food, like you'll 
meet up with your friends. You'll say, wow, I went to the most amazing restaurant. I had this great meal. You'll describe the meal in detail, the flavors, the texture, and you can see it in someone's face when they really enjoyed something. And that is totally okay to do right now. Like no one will look at you weird. No one will will tell you like you're a whore. Like that's normal. Food porn is normal. And for some reason, there's like this huge disconnect between that kind of pleasure and the pleasure you feel when you're touching yourself. Like take that same situation. You sit down with your friends and you say, wow, I took 20 minutes for myself the other day when I was in the bath and I was touching myself. I lit this amazing candle. This is how I was touching myself. This is what came up for me. This is like, it was amazing. And if you go into detail about that, someone will look at you like you are off your rocker. And it's really the same thing. It's lighting up the same like points of pleasure in your body. It's bringing you an experience, an enjoyable experience, which right now is really important mental health wise Mm -hmm. to like feel okay and make the most of life in this very weird situation that we're in and not feel so stuck and halted. Like pleasure is still accessible. So creating that pleasure of the day and making it not just about sex, but sometimes also about sex made it feel a little more approachable for people to talk about and express. Okay, that makes sense to me. But sort of also having them understand that maybe one day it's food, but the next day it could be self-pleasure. So it's not all about like your content might make them uncomfortable. Like how you felt uncomfortable in the beginning when you were kind of like landed with, you know, sex. on. Did you lose a lot of followers actually when you started? Oh, yeah. I I lose followers daily because I still I built my platform on food. So like slowly, like people are like, what are you doing? Or they've come along with me, which is great. But like I also don't have the bandwidth right now to build my following like I did when I started. And it's not as important to me. I would rather spend time writing or on my blog, which is actually mine and I can talk about whatever I want and not worry about what's going to get censored or like shadow banned. But I think that's important for people to hear as well that you're growing in a direction and you're clearly so confident in the direction that you're going that the loss of followers is not deterring you or causing you to go back to the old way. And I think that shows up for people, whether you have a platform or not, like we're always growing. Sometimes we lose people in our lives. And, you know, how do you know if you're on the right path when the signs we've been told of success are not there? Totally. Because the numbers game is hard to not like not get stuck in, right? Like, But it it exists even if you don't have a platform. I think that, you know, people moving away from you perhaps might feel Mm -hmm. like a negative thing. So all the ways that we've been taught how to define success. Right. What are the signs that we're doing what we're meant to be doing? I think there's a couple things. One, it feels good in your body, right? Like you want to learn more about it. You want to write more about it. You're internally fueled because you're passionate about it for yourself and not just because you are making people like you for it. Mm. It should be a self thing and it should be self-fueled and you should internally just want to keep learning and growing because it's interesting to you. Second, like you might lose some friends. Your family might think you're weird and it'll either take them time and they'll need to take space and not talk to you for a little bit. I actually had that happen. Yeah. How does your family, I know you mentioned that you lost your dad when you were younger. Do you have siblings? I have siblings. So my mom is totally supportive of me. My siblings are from my dad's side of the family and they're much older than me. I have a similar situation to you, but I'm the baby and they're all much older. They're all grown. They have their own kids. But I actually had a situation where one of my siblings was like the first time I posted like a kind of half naked photo, which to be honest, I was more covered than people who are in swimsuits, Mm -hmm. but it does allude to something a little bit different. She was like, what the fuck are you doing? Like, I need to unfollow you. She didn't say fuck. She was triggered. Like talk about people being triggered by my content because they're projecting. I mean, it's bringing up something that's not okay for you. Yeah, That's what I've learned. It has nothing to do with you. It has to do with them. But it brought up something for her and she stopped following me, which I actually think was the healthiest thing for a relationship Mm -hmm. because I think it's very easy in this weird age to rely on social media to know what's going on in someone's life Mm -hmm. and feel like you know what's going on, but it's not their whole life. Can you say that again, actually? (laughs) Yeah, it's in this day and age, it's really easy to follow someone on Instagram, whether you're friends, whether you're family, and think you know exactly what's going on in their life. Mm -hmm. And it's not true. You only show, and I feel like I get emotional about this because 
it is something I talked about in therapy because they feel like they're com- they're coming along this journey with you and it's only one part of your journey that's important for you to share because you're passionate about it. It might be your career. I've happened to like make it mine. But like you could be a normal person on social media just sharing one part of your life more than another. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey, this is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. As a nostalgic voice from your past, I'm here to remind you that amongst the stressful and chaotic existence we live in 2024, you deserve to get away. It's time for a vacation, no matter when you're hearing this. And let me tell you how you'll get there. The 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe. Want to bring the family to the mountains with the Santa Fe's available H-Track all-wheel drive? Well, it's got standard third-row seating and available dual-wireless charging pads for the kids who just want to stare at their phone and not talk to you. You know what I mean. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I think that whether you're a blogger or not, I think we oftentimes like the brain puts together like you share some stories and some posts and then the brain says this is this person's life and we make up stories about there with the stories again. There we yeah. are with the stories. We fill in the blanks and sometimes that says, oh, they're self-absorbed or they don't have time for me. I'm too small for them to care about like whatever that story is. And it's not true. So I think it's important right. for everyone to know that by watching their stories or their content is not knowing like how they are, even if they seem no. fine. I think that's a huge, yeah. important message for everyone. So I think that was the best thing that happened for us because in order for her to talk to me, she has to actually talk to me versus my online presence. So for anyone out there who wants to relate to a friend or a family member, just text them or pick up the phone. You can talk about maybe something that you saw, but I actually prefer when people ask me like, how are you really? Or like, what's going on in your life? Or like, what have I not seen? Because there's so much more than just that. That's so true. And I think that we get sloppy is the word that keeps coming to mind for me this week in in relationships, whether it's with a partner or a friend or a sister or a brother, where we get sloppy and we get lazy. I don't like the word lazy, really, but we get sloppy with our connection to other people. Right. And I I think it's for sake of ease, right? We only have so much time in the day. So to put an effort into doing something for someone or paying someone attention. Yes, it takes time, but it's still very necessary. Mental health wise, it's very necessary for both parties to really check in with each other. So yeah, try not to get sloppy out there, everybody, as the more the more <laughs> things go on your plate. So your mom is actually okay with this content. So I was kind of curious about that. Your sister kind of struggles, but it's actually been better for your relationship because you talk offline about all aspects of your life versus her just following along. And then I think the question we're all wondering, what about your ex? (laughs) 
I mean, I wish I knew. I don't know. So when we broke up, he blocked me on everything. Like I couldn't even send him a text message. I had to send him an email to like his work account once because I just, I needed to close something up because I mean, we were together for almost five years, lived together for like three or four. It was a very long relationship. It was like a mini divorce, mm-hmm. but now I have, I have no idea. I'm okay. sure his friends have sent him things, but okay, I have no idea. Got it. Got it. So you talk a little bit about Shakti. What is Shakti? Mm-hmm. Am I saying the word right? Shock, yeah, Shakti. So Shakti energy is like the divine feminine energy within us. It ties into all of that Eastern stuff of there's yin and there's yang. The yin is our left side, which is feminine, flow, kind of all the things that aren't productive. And our yang side is like the regimented, we're going to make to-do lists. We're going to get stuff done. And a lot of us operate on our yang. Mm. That's also our giving side. So our feminine is receiving, our yang is giving. Mm -hmm. And a lot of women and men are out of touch with that yin side. And it's interesting too, not to like make this a bigger conversation, but when you have a body injury, a lot of people tend to get injured on one side of their body more than another. And so I, from like a spiritual perspective, if you're getting injured on your left side a lot, I, I would probably think like you're operating too hard on the yang. Like you're missing something on the side. It's out of balance. But I mean, the yin is hard. And the more you cultivate it, the more you feel comfortable with it. And to tie it back to me, because I'm here, I had a lot of like heart chakra stuff happen after that breakup. Like I felt really closed off. I didn't feel like I could receive anything. And a lot of that's hard. Our heart chakra holds all of our emotion, hence the not crying. And so to find ways that are comfortable to you to dip into that yin, even if it's for a small amount of time, because we do live in a yang-driven society. So like I like to tell people to block off like 20 minutes for a yin activity. And it's still approaching it in a yang matter, right? (laughs) You have 20 minutes. Like go. That's a yang thing. But our brains are sort of operated to run that way. And then in that 20 minutes, just don't decide what you're going to do ahead of time. It's easy to be like, oh, I could take a bath. I could do this. I could do that. I could do Just don't think about it. You know, your yin 20 minutes are on and do whatever feels good. I love that. If it's something productive, cool. If it's sitting and staring at the wall and maybe stretching a little bit, also cool. But just activating that part of the body is so important to be able to receive. I remember the first time I went to a yin yoga class. It was after I really got into, you know, yoga flows and all that stuff. And I signed up for a restorative yoga class. And if you've ever been to a yin class, I think normally a restorative yin class or done right is 90 minutes. And it's like not yoga. I mean, it is, but it is, you know. No, it's adult nap time. Yeah, it's adult nap time, long holds in positions. And I was so resistant to it the first few times because like I used to function very yang. Now I'm I'm very yin, I th- I'd say. <laughs> but, you know, it was like, this isn't yoga, but when are we going to flow? When are we going to move? Like, this is supposed to be my workout. And really recognizing that there's healing, wellness, medicine, I would even say, in activating that yin and surrendering and being not in in the undoing, (laughs) if you will. Right. Is really completely key. Your new shake and dancing, that is all yin. I love that so much. I didn't even know that. The blading. Yeah. The blading is totally yin. It's anything like moving, flowing in your body. I'm very yin now. You know, my old me Mm -hmm. was very yang in my disordered eating (laughs) days. You know, everything was regimented, counted, you know, compensated for, planned, the whole cycle. So anyway, so now that you're single, you have a whole story real on your dating diaries. So what are the dating diaries? Why did you do that? Why did you create that? Because you're now putting yourself out there in so many ways, including telling your Instagram audience that used to come to you for, you know, cookie recipes. You're sharing your DMs or your messages with men. Right. Oh, I think this was a slow roll that I've backed off of during quarantine just because things are so weird. I thought it was important to talk about the weird stuff that happens when you're dating, right? Or even like maybe the not so weird stuff, but like, hey, I'm breaking out. I'm still going on this date because some people would cancel a date because they don't feel like they should go out there like that. So just simple stuff like that. And I think it was just fun for people to see. I think 
honestly, some people are just nosy and they wanted to know like, what's going, like what's going on? Because I went from sharing so much of my life with somebody to it just being me that that's a huge component of your life, well, even, right? Even not nosy. It's just, you know, even if I didn't know you, it's still interesting to pry into a place that there isn't much light. Right. It's like why reality TV is interesting yeah. too. You don't, because you just, you want to know. Mm -hmm. So I started posting little bits of that, trying to make it like health minded, just from the mind perspective of things. And then it turned into talk about Instagram versus reality, like a show. I started feeling like I couldn't share the relationships that I actually wanted to spend time with and on and that were important to me because I didn't want to jinx it. So it was like all the like sideline stuff, which was still fun and funny, but it wasn't actually going to go anywhere because it was like for comedic relief. And I needed it too because when you're dating, dating right now, COVID or not, is not the healthiest thing. And it's really anxiety provoking. And so like keeping it light versus being like, oh, I really like this one person, like going to spend all my time thinking about them. That's not healthy either. So it sort of like pumped the brakes. And then if someone I liked was following me, they knew like we weren't serious yet. And if we want to lock it down, like we have to talk about that. So it kind of led room for more discussion too. But I will say I prefer when people don't follow me on social media or actually trying to get to know me. Right. When men don't follow you that you're dating. Right. Yeah. I was going to say, I would assume that you kept that private. So it's interesting that they, they found out about it. It depends on the person. So, I mean, it says a lot about someone. Right. If they run anxious or not, if they want to know, try and figure out everything about you, if they're doing some online digging. Got it. Got it. That's it's usually the narcissist. I, <laughs> so got it. it's a good telltale. In one of your stories, you talk about should versus could mindset. You said when you feel like you should do something, even though you don't want to, because you feel like if somebody wants to find a partner, but they really don't want to go on this date, but they feel like they should because if they don't, then there's no hope for them in general. What is your advice for somebody that like is just kind of in that stuck place? It's really a boundary question, I think. Like if you're like, you know, all I can think of you're shitting all over yourself when you say <laughs> should versus could. Because to a certain extent, when you're single and dating, especially in COVID, you do have to put yourself out there at a certain point. Like it's never fun to get on a FaceTime and have a FaceTime date with someone you don't even know. Like that that does not sound fun to anybody. I don't know anyone who's like raring to go on a first date FaceTime date. Is that what's like, happening right sounds, now? Yeah. Oh. I mean, unless you want to meet like in the park or something. Interesting. But I, I do first time FaceTime date. Interesting. Yeah. I would not be down for that. No. No, it's it's not fun. No. So that's a different situation. It's a, does it not sound super fun, but could end up with a good result? Or do I really want nothing to do with this? And it would just be a waste of time. I think it's a good way to like maybe create a mental checklist of where could this potentially go slash what is it giving me now and weigh that. Is it worth giving up an evening, maybe having to get ready, maybe like feeling a little uncomfortable to potentially like find someone you want to date who you could have fun with. You have to analyze the situation now more than ever because your time is precious, but you have to jump a hurdle too. Is there an element <laughs> of like going, like listening to your gut and the instincts around it in your experience? Totally. Like initially, like you should be excited. Like when you see their name pop up, right. if you're not excited, don't do it. If you're totally 100% like dreading it, don't do it. If it's just the idea of it that's bothering mm. you, jump the hurdle because you're going to have to do that anyway. That is so, so, so true. So you clearly know a thing or two about feeling sexy. And mm -hmm. what I love about you feeling sexy is that it's for you. Right. Like when you're showing up in the morning and taking pictures, you're really doing a lot for you. And I think the element of feeling sexy just for ourselves is lost. So I have two questions. But the first question is, why do you think it's so important to feel sexy for yourself? Because I think a lot of people would maybe register that as a waste of time. Not at all. Like It's a form of self-care. Right. It's a part of feeling good and showing up in your body. And especially too, if, if anyone is feeling uncomfortable in your body, touch or like viewing yourself as somebody, like as a lover, 
mm. can really help you in that respect. Wow. And a method that I found really helpful is self-portraiture. And that's something that I found because I was texting with men and would sometimes send them photos of myself for fun. Like it was part, it's part of the whole sexting thing. I only do it when I feel comfortable with somebody in like a safe way that feels okay to me. Obviously, I post photos on the internet for myself anyway, so. But I think it's important. I think typically when we when I hear the word sexting outside of the context of this conversation, I think, and this is just what society taught me to think, that's slutty. Like, that's wrong. No, right. I wouldn't say slutty. I would say that's wrong. Like, my brain goes right. to, like, pump the brakes. That's wrong. So explain to us what. I think this comes back to the shoulding, couldn't thing. You never send something because you think you should. Mm. You don't do it because you want to get their attention. Mm. You don't do it because you feel like if you don't do it, somebody else is going to do it and they're not going to text you anymore. You don't do it because it's a way to one-up whatever else is going on. So it's not for validation. It's for a different reason. No. What is it for? What is the, Where does no. it come from? Honestly, I think it's for self. Yeah. And that's what it turned into for me. And like initially, I probably wasn't doing it all for myself at first. Mm -hmm. I run anxious. I don't know if you're familiar with like the attachment styles, but I definitely tend to, there's anxious, avoidant, secure. I tend to run a little anxious. So I like people's attention and that's an easy way to get it. Right. So I think what started as I'm kind of like dipping my toe in this space and like I want attention turned into a, wow, taking these photos actually makes me feel really hot. What if I just did it for myself? And so then it turned into this practice that I would just do for me. And then it's also interesting because like I think when we look in the mirror, we have a very different view of like what our body is than what it is actually. And to look back on photos of yourself and how you felt when you were taking those photos, there's a lot of beauty in that. Because I think our body image just changes like tenfold when you're looking in the mirror at yourself, like trying to like get yourself ready for the day versus if you put on some hot music, you like move and move to the music, maybe you touch yourself, you set up like a little tripod, do some like self-timer images, and they don't even have to be of your full body. You could get artsy with it. You don't even have to be naked. You could be fully clothed and just really in it. Like my whole thing is like, I call it the art of the non-nude nude. Mm -hmm. So it's like alludes to something, but you could be fully clothed and just like making a pose that you, you can tell you are feeling yourself right. and hot. And that comes across to somebody else and they can feel the energy in that photo versus like, it's like a dick pic. Who wants? No one wants that. Nobody wants like, that. Like that doesn't. That Nobody doesn't, wants that. That doesn't show anything. Like so. That's that's where I stand there. Well, what I really love about your approach to feeling sexy, and I hope that everyone listening is kind of feeling what I'm feeling, is that you don't have to be skinny. You don't have to have six pack abs. You don't have to have big boobs. You don't need to have a Kardashian butt. I'm going to take this even a step further and say you don't need to be. 18. You don't have to be 25, 30, 40, 50, because what has become clear from our conversation is that sexuality is an energy within you that we've been told mm -hmm. to tap down. But if you could let it move through you, you're kind of like walking around with a little bit of a superpower in your back pocket because you're in your body and you're in a place that we've been told to never tap into. So it's like there's no yeah. definition to what sexy looks like other than this energetic place that, you know, again, I have, I know, I know already that I have listeners aging from 18 to 70, you know, maybe even 75. So for yeah. all these listeners, I'm sure, I'm sure all ages felt uncomfortable. There were moments that I have felt uncomfortable, but I think if we really tap into that discomfort of why do I feel uncomfortable? Why is there shame mm -hmm. laced in talking about all of this? What could happen if we tapped into this, not just for ourselves, but for our relationships, for our creativity? Wh what could happen from that? So there's yeah. this like element of excitement that I think also comes from the discomfort of anybody who's still listening to this conversation, obviously. <laughs> totally. You wrote a quote, actually. I think you, you know, you talk a lot about your cycle and your body changes and bloating and all of that. And you said, our bodies are magic. 
as a vulva vulva that's such a hard word as a vulva, vulva holder yeah, as a vulva holder i cannot say that word my body changes literally daily no one tells you that we ebb and flow with the moon if we learn this as children i feel like not only would we be more connected we'd have less trauma by following the moon i understand my energy my emotions my hunger my nutrition needs my sex drive my relationships my work output and more i know that when my clothes fit funny it's not me it's just where my flow is so i know that flow mm-hmm. pertain to menstruation in that moment but I think we are flowing as women mm-hmm. and yet we've been told to like be stagnant and still and polite and only talk about da 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 and only did like so many things we've been told to do men too I have to say I hate excluding men from all conversations that's why the feminine masculine energy focus I, I feel like is so important because we all have that we all have that femininity in us it's just so amazing to think about our bodies as magic and to think about the energy inside of them outside of my pair of jeans don't fit, right? Right. It's been it's been interesting. So the the second part of that question moving kind of yeah. into it is in quarantine we've all been in sweatpants and many people <laughs> have gained weight. I that's something that I hear about a lot in my field and as a result they don't feel good about themselves. So you mm-hmm. clearly know a thing or two about feeling sexy even in sweatpants. Mm-hmm. So what are some things that we can do to feel sexy slash ignite that shakti energy you've explained to us throughout the day even if we're in sweatpants? Yeah. So I like to talk about ways to do it in the morning just because it's almost like a form of mindfulness. Usually when we wake up in the morning, we turn over, we look what time it is, and then we're on our phones and we're either scrolling or whatever. And that's like the unsexiest thing to do because then immediately you're putting yourself in that mindset of so many people are better than me or I have so much stuff to do. Mm -hmm. I just, I don't feel good in myself. So if you take some time in the morning to I'm going to break it down into like three active things that you can do. One thing that I like to do is to light your pilot light. So like let's say a zero is how you're feeling normally and a 10 is like the most amazing orgasm of your life. So you want to like get yourself to maybe like a three or a four, maybe even a five, and then you cut it. So maybe that means like just touching yourself like a lover would do, like if that's like running – Talk about making people feel uncomfortable. Running your fingertips like up the inside of your thighs, maybe feeling like around your collarbone, maybe like feeling your breasts and just like feeling your body. You're literally waking up your body. Mm. Like you're sending energy. When you touch a certain place, you're stimulating blood flow. You're most literally waking your body up. So to do that in the morning and you're turning yourself on, it doesn't take a lot of time. And then you get out of bed and you have a different pep in your step. You're like, I'm hot. I feel good. Mm -hmm. And then you're maybe like when your partner comes over like later in the evening and like wants to try and initiate sex, you're already kind of turned on. You've been thinking about this all day. And women too tend to have a more energetic style to sexuality in general. And so it takes time for us to build up the desire. And so if you turn yourself on in the morning for yourself, Later in the day, it's easier. You're already at that three, four stage. It's easier to turn on. But that just, it it gets you feeling good. Another thing to do is like while the coffee is brewing, instead of, again, getting on a screen, scrolling through the phone, turn on a song you really like and dance with yourself. It doesn't even have to be erotic. Just moving, Mm -hmm. moving your body. could be swaying your hips. It could be jumping up and down. Just get things moving because, again, we get – so stagnant and that's the unsexiest thing like even the hottest person alive if they're just standing like this like a deer caught in the headlights you're not going to be turned on by that and then the last practice I like to do is in the shower it's more of like again coming back to mindfulness is if you just stand underneath the shower and notice where the water is hitting your body where it feels good I mean, no place is going to feel bad, but some places might feel better than others. Notice how hard the water is coming out. Maybe some of like some of the knobs don't come out as heavy as the other. Just bring awareness to it and where it's hitting in your body. And it's also good grounding practice just to feel anything that gets you feeling in your body. We get so out of body, anxious, like so much is going on. Anything that brings us down immediately like 
can turn you on, right? Because you're embodying your energy. Right. I think that's what it, this whole thing is kind of about. It's about two things, kind of. One, you know, learning to take charge of your own energy, especially as as women, where you left your last relationship needing the the man for so many things and then being left with, well, now what? You know, do I find another man to replace it, which you could have done? You broke that cycle, found mm-hmm. yourself, became really sturdy in yourself and are now looking a partner to enhance your life, not complete your life, I feel like. Exactly. And number two is this this is really about you know well-being and and wellness and treating sexual health the same way you would prioritize digestive health and taking the shame Mm -hmm. and stigma away from it and that's kind of what this conversation is about for anybody that kind of got lost along the way or who feels like oh this this was not what I signed up for for the truthiest life podcast (laughs) the Jenna is an example of living her truthiest life And that inspires me to want to be more in my body in a way that I'll be honest, like I think of, you know, my sexual health is my last checkbox when I'm talking about, you know, I've got my mental health, so many things, so many checkboxes, but really it's there underneath Mm -hmm. all of it. And I think it would be a great way for me to start, you know, stepping more into my power. So thank you. Uh, Okay, we're going to just shift a little bit for some last few questions. Do you think that everything happens for a reason? Oh, I have to say yes, because I'm like an eternal optimist. I don't think everything happens because it's supposed to happen, but I believe we can learn from everything that does happen and shift accordingly. Beautiful. And I think you do that. You're constantly shifting with what life throws at you. And then the last question, which I'm super interested to hear your response. If you were a tree, what type of tree would you be? Oh, wow. So many options. I initially want to say palm tree just because I like the beach, but I'm going to go maple. Mm. I feel like they're big and they're very grounded, earthing, like almost motherly, nurturing trees. We also have one at the country house up north I've been spending a lot of time at, so I I feel very close to that tree. That that works for us. It's a giving tree. It gives off maple. Is that maple syrup comes from? Maple. Yeah, we could throw some maple, some sweetness. Sweetness. It's got, yeah, I like that for you. For sure. Yeah. All right, Jenna, we learned a lot from you and we're so proud of you. And tell us where we can find you on Instagram and your blog. Okay. You can find me on Instagram at no way lady, N-O-W-H-E-Y lady. And my blog is the same, nowaylady.com. Great. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks for living your truthiest life. Always. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.